Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. veggies through local producers 13 percent voting that way in our question of the day we're going to talk now with a local producer ian smith farms near stonewall and his website is naturalraisedpork.ca ian good morning good morning hal it's uh actually argyle but uh stonewall isn't far oh from i'm argyle. sorry no, all right no i was looking through my old emails and i got it wrong i apologize that's a big difference argyle and Stonewall. I've changed it to Argyle here in my notes. I want okay. to read uh, for everybody a part of an email that you sent me a long time ago, yep. and I think it'll set up our conversation pretty nicely. Um, Hal, uh, drop by, get some pork from me, some eggs to go with that great bacon. I'm the last of the true small farmers. I still farm the 160 acres that my parents bought in 1953, and I have no off-farm income. I love farming. It's in my blood. I've raised hogs, cattle, chickens, and uh, I grow barley for feed. I grow canola as a cash crop. Keeps me busy and happy uh, along with a big garden and living alone doing this with no help. You really do sound like you're loving it. Well, it's in my blood, eh? So, yeah, you know, it's a nice lifestyle for me, and I enjoy it. And, uh, I mean, uh, you talk to any of the farmers out there, uh, it's in their blood, eh? Sure, yeah. yeah. And it's been challenging, I'll bet, eh? I mean, aside from the stuff you expected, uh, there's been a lot of unexpected stuff. Oh, it's just a roller coaster. Just when you think things are going good... uh, uh, things turned bad. I mean, I knew that when the summer was rolling along, we weren't getting no rain. These people that were saying how great this weather is, warm and whatnot, I was saying each week that's going by with this hot, hot dry weather, your food bill is just going to be going up. And well, and, that's and, what's and, happening. And yeah, and, and it's been happening for over a decade, and now they're saying 7% next year. Family of four will pay almost $1,000 more. Uh, they are saying that meat prices might stay pretty steady, but I, I'm not so sure I believe that. Are, are you seeing a lot of people coming to your farm there near Argyle and buying pork and eggs and other stuff from you? Oh, yeah, I have uh, my regular customers for the eggs and that. And uh, for the pork, I'm always getting new customers. And, and uh, now I'm doing beef also. So I'm like a little store on its own, but I don't do none of the processing here. I'm just the farmer. So... Uh, you know, I take the animals away, and uh, uh, that's creating jobs to uh, for the butcher and uh, where they're getting harvested and that. And so the money's staying local, and that's what matters a lot too. You know, you're dealing with me, and uh, with dealing with me, uh, I'm not like a politician. Uh, you gotta blame me. I don't pass the buck like a politician <laughs> would. And right. So there's only one person that makes the mistake, and that's me. And so uh, that's you know that helps. And I give free delivery to everything. And you know, it's customer service is very important in my books. 
Yeah. Um, we heard from the University of Saskatchewan uh, professor there who said, you know, get rid of the middleman or get rid of the middle person, I guess is the way I should say it. Um, get rid of those people in the middle because they're making money. It's adding to the bottom line. How much could somebody save coming to you there near Argyle to buy pork, for example, compared to if we walk into a grocery store? Well, I know I've had this done before. Uh, people buy a side of pork and they've weighed it all and then uh, gone to the store and compared, you know, and and they've come back and said, you know, it can be up to $100 for a side of pork difference. And uh, that's uh, $100 cheaper on my behalf. But do you know what? Uh, most of them aren't really, cons- yes, the money is an issue, but the quality is the uh, top-notch thing and the service that I deliver. And that matters a lot too. And, you know, I've had many people say that uh, the product is just so much different and that goes with the beef and the eggs too so i don't know well, what i'm doing uh, difference but uh you know i'm avoiding everybody as much as i can but you can't avoid the butcher and, and the packing plants so mm-hmm. uh i mean i'm just the one man show here <laughs> sure well and and people then know who they're supporting right it's uh, there's this big push now to support local i mean here you can support a local farmer you can you know literally go to the farm and 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 help you and and know exactly who uh who you're supporting yep. i mean talk about your product uh loren mcnab said it in the crossover with them at the end of their show just before my show began and she said how i've I've had ian's uh, pork chops are the best i've ever had well thank you yeah i've i've heard that many times and you know uh i don't know why i'm doing different but uh yeah i hear this quite often but uh yeah, the price of uh, meat's going to go up. It's only going to go up because uh, there's no grain out there. And there's uh, it's a shortage of feed. And when there's a shortage of grain and feed, uh, then the animal prices have to go up and that. And that's just reality. It's uh, supply and demand. And mm-hmm. it's sad to say, but uh, this drought has really put, uh, hurt uh, uh, the price of food and that vegetables, fruit, and everything, and what's going on out in BC with the dairy industry out there. That's big dairy industry out there and poultry industry. Well, the milk prices are going up, I hear. Well, that could be part of the reason, too, because uh, those dairy barns are flooded out, and uh, also the price of feed for these dairy barns in anywhere in Canada is going up. So they're on a supply management bit. So uh, the feed costs mean a lot, so the price mm-hmm. of milk will have to go up in cheese and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're having bad hey, times um, out there in B.C. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, Ian, uh, I played earlier a clip of Stuart Smythe at the University of Saskatchewan. I referenced him just a moment ago. And one of the things he said is not just buy right from the farmer, but also get the family together, get your group of friends together, and go and buy a side of beef, for example. And then the saving, you know, then you can... Uh, buy in bulk like that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of families can't come up with a significant purchase like that but if you get together with family and friends are, are you seeing a lot of that too oh yeah especially uh, in the last month people buying uh, a side of pork or uh, ordering uh, my shorthorn beef for uh, uh, christmas gifts and uh, i've had this now for about three years in a row people ordering sides of pork and that to, and giving it to a sibling or or someone uh, as a gift for Christmas, because, I mean, 
what do you give some of these people that's got almost everything? And I mean, we all need food. And that becomes uh, very touching when you deliver the side of pork to somebody and say, this is a gift from so-and-so or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'll I'll give you the final 30 seconds, get out there what you want, and then I'll let you go. But I appreciate you doing this. What else would you like to say? Well, it's been a tough year for all of us farmers and probably for some up in the Asher area and that where they've been dry for three years, it's even tougher for them. And, uh, our hearts go out to uh, them and everyone that's going through hard times with mm-hmm. the farming community. But uh, when uh, when you're uh, buying from me, the, the money that you give to me stays local, like to the mechanics, to electricians, to uh, everybody that I deal with. So it's not going out of province, the money that you're giving paying uh, me for my product stays here in the community so it's all local and that's a big thing so check out my you know, i want to help you out here ian people are asking for your phone number i gave the uh, website i'll give the website again here natural raised pork ca natural raised pork ca but for people that uh, do need the phone number what's the best number to call uh call me on my two numbers the, the landline 204-467-8590 or my cell, 204-461-0487. All right, and I've got those numbers, so uh, you can text me at 204-780-6868, and I'll share those numbers with you, or the website, again, is naturalraisepork.ca. Ian, I like the idea of, uh, of you know, meat for, for a Christmas gift for a sibling or, or a friend or a family member. I, I like that a lot. Ian, all the best, and thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, uh, Hal, and take care. You too. Ian Smith is a farmer near Argyle. Sorry about that, uh, Ian, not Stonewall. Argyle, and again, it's naturalraisepork.ca. <music> Carrie McKinnon, recovering at home after knee replacement surgery, a surgery that she waited two years for, almost two years to the day, right, Carrie? That's right. It was one week shy of two years, Hal. How many times did they cancel on you? <laughs> well, officially, um, I, the, the last cancellation I had was in May, and I was canceled 40 hours before surgery. So there was always the hopes of, um, you know, come April 2020, you know, we'll get you in. And then it became September, and then it became, we have no idea, right? So it was always the hopes of, you know, hopefully in a few months, hopefully in a few months. And then in May of this year, um, I had a date. And, and you know, you, you, you do not know excitement until you get a date for surgery, um, and then, unfortunately, it was canceled 48 hours before surgery. So wow. that was pretty devastating. And I was told, well, it's not canceled. We're just going to postpone it a few weeks. Well, the day after my surgery was supposed to be, which was May 20th, May 21st is when the province came down and said all electives are canceled until further Gee. notice. Wow. So hey, and and I've got to have you tell the story of when you finally got your new knee. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you were really close to having it canceled or postponed at that point, right? Tell the story. Exactly. So they called me at uh, around first week of September and said, we've got a date. And I was ecstatic. I was crying. It it was just too good to be true. But I was also terrified. Are they going to cancel me again? Right. So everything worked out. September 30th, I get there, I'm walking in and, you know, the hospitals are a place like you got to walk in there by yourself, right? Nobody can come with you anymore. And you're going in there by yourself. It's like, okay, you got this, Carrie, right? So go in there and I'm in the pre-op ward, you know, and they're prepping you for surgery and 
uh, nurse came over and said, you know, there's going to be a delay, but we're going to get you surgery today. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, all of a sudden your heart goes, right? And they said, you know, we're short beds and short some stuff, but we're going to get you. It just could be a while. I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, I'm in, you know, getting rolled in and the surgeon comes in and I said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. You know, it, it was just like pure joy. I've never felt like it, it was amazing. And he says, yeah, we're pretty lucky today. He said, uh, we've had a rash of cancellations today. Uh, most orthopedics are cancelled. He said, uh, the only reason I'm here with you today is because I'm, I'm the on-call orthopedic surgeon here and, and I can do one surgery. And so it was me. So I came mm. really, really close of, of having that cancelled again. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know what I would have done, how, if I got cancelled again. Um, you, you just don't realize the toll of waiting in anticipation, you know, especially waiting through a pandemic when, you know, it's not only you're waiting for surgery, your your knee is degrading, but in a pandemic when all of a sudden you're isolated, you know, you're working from home, you're cut off, you're told don't don't leave the house unless you really need to, unless you need to go get groceries. So you're dealing with this all alone. And it just, you know, after I was cancelled in May, it just became a really dark world. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It um it took its toll and and it got to a place where, you know, I, I just couldn't get happy about anything. I All I did was, you know, I was pessimistic. You know, you're watching the news every day, and I was obsessed with the, the hospital and the patient counts and the ICU counts and how many hospitalized and how many new cases and angry about vaccination status. And, you know, you just you just get into this place, and, and, and it almost became an obsession, right? So, and then when things started opening up again, you know, I I didn't feel like doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. it's like people would invite, hey, now we can get together. Do you want to go? Yeah, no, I don't feel like it, you know. Yeah. And then it got to a point where people, you know, your best friends and your family kind of stop asking you to come out because they know what your answer mm-hmm. is going to be. So, you know, you're left. I, I felt really alone during this yeah. whole, like, two years, and, and it does yeah. its number on you. So. Sure. And and so you got your knee, and I'm happy about that, and you're at home, and you're recovering. And, yeah. uh, like, I had a, I had a hip surgery. I'm told mm-hmm. knees are much worse, so good luck with it. But I really yeah. do kind of want to focus in on the mental health angle here because I know, because I delayed my hip surgery on my own. I mean, it, it was delayed mm-hmm. by the system as well, but I delayed yeah. it as well because I wanted to lose weight so I could have a safer surgery. So For some sure. of that's on me. But I mm-hmm. know what it's like waiting and being yeah. in pain. Mm-hmm. And then I can't imagine having things delayed and canceled and postponed again and again mm-hmm. and again. And you're mm-hmm. right. You go to a dark place. And I think yeah. we need to evaluate that, too, not just people being in pain and, and waiting for a surgery, whatever it is, now at 152,000 plus, right, in the province mm-hmm. of Manitoba. Yeah. But we need to know that this has an impact on people uh, between the years. For sure it does, you know. I feel so fortunate um, with my work. I'm, you know, our insurance company that we deal with has been fantastic, and they're making sure that I have all the resources I need um, and the time I need to physically get well. Um, but because mental health issues have been so prevalent over the past years, and it's a growing concern with so many people, they need to make sure that I'm strong enough mentally to be able to go back to work as well, because they know it's, it's, you know, some damage has been done. You know, you've got to make sure that you're strong enough. You know, all of a sudden your life is going to be changed again. Now you're going back to work. You know, you've been off for four months and 
and you know you're going back to work it's changing your environment again so you know that's going to have a change on your mental health so they want to make sure that before they send me back that they are setting me up for success and they're going to make sure that um, my mental health is where it needs to be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we got word yesterday, and we've talked a lot about this, there is uh, a new task force in place now to deal with this backlog of surgeries mm-hmm. and, and other procedures. Uh, when you heard that news, uh, and here's your chance to you know talk about <laughs> this and, and maybe send a message to the people on the task force or the people that are waiting for one of these surgeries or procedures, um, what would you say to to them that are listening? Well, I think it's a really good step in the right direction. I think it took too long to have it set up. You know, this was first mentioned back in March, um, you know, that the government was committing $50 million to deal with the backlog. By the time anything gets going, it, it's basically going to be a year, right? Like, we're not fooling ourselves to say it's going to happen tomorrow. Um, but I think, I, I hope it's a step in the right direction. Um, you know, something that tweaked my anxiety again is now my right knee is sore, right? Because I've been compensating it over the years and my surgeon told me this week yeah it's probably arthritis we'll we'll do some more x-rays in spring so now I'm thinking okay am I going to end up on a wait list again you know Um, I'm just really hoping that um, this is what we need you know using all the resources that we can find to make sure that we start getting people off that list longer people are on that list the harder it's going to be for them to get back to a quote-unquote normal life because right. you know I feel very fortunate that I've got the resources I need but um, you know not everybody is that fortunate and I just hope the government will also make resources available quicker so that people can deal with the mental health part of it not just the physical health part of it. Mm-hmm. Carrie as I say goodbye to you here text message from a listener how so happy for Carrie uh, that she had her surgery. I can relate. Thank you in capital letters for highlighting the mental hardships because in many yeah. ways this is the hardest to deal with. Let's all keep talking and supporting each other. So all the best, Carrie. Thank you so much for the time today, Hal. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Carrie McKinnon, okay. she is at home recovering with a new knee. She waited two years for it. And uh, as the listener just said in the text message, the weight, the cancellations, the living with pain, that can be the hardest part because it does impact your mental health. No question about it. All right, it's Thursday, so Carolyn Klassen joins us now. Hi, Carolyn. Hey, Hal. How are you? Excellent. Carolyn, of course, is with Connexus Counseling and joins us every Thursday right after the 1130 News. Uh, I was talking earlier uh, to Carrie McKinnon about half an hour ago. Uh, she's at home recovering from knee replacement surgery. She waited two years for that in pain. She had it canceled, postponed, delayed uh, several times. And we had, of course, yesterday the province announced this surgical backlog task force, which is great. Uh, but today I was talking with Carrie, and I want to talk with you, Carolyn, about the mental health impacts of Delayed surgery like that, living with pain, the anxiety, waiting, hoping you can get in. What did you want to say about that? 
Oh man, the hope, uh, the the devastation of thinking, like of knowing that there's something that could put you out of pain, and not only put, for example, a knee replacement surgery, not only put your knee out of pain, but when your knee is in pain, you walk funny, and then your back hurts, and then your neck hurts. Like it just it compounds on itself. And then to think, well, the doctor said it was going to be X number of months, and then when that number of months has happened you maybe haven't heard from them or you have a date months down the road yet. And then because of COVID, some of those surgeries are getting put off. The discouragement that happens when you know there's something that could relieve your pain and yet it's just beyond your reach. It is so disheartening and it really wears on a person uh, and, and discourages them because it, while you're waiting for a knee replacement or a joint replacement of any kind, often your lifestyle is curtailed where you're not doing the things you'd like to be able to do. You can't exercise as much. Often people you know, can put on weight because they're not able to burn calories the way they'd like to. Their life, their active lifestyle is curtailed, and then they have struggle with body image. Like the, the ripple effects just go on and on. As they, their family members might say, "Let's go out for a walk," and they say, "No, I don't think I'm up for it." It affects it affects every part of their life when you're in chronic pain while you're waiting for surgery, and then to wait and to wait some more is just hard. Yeah, um, she described it as very dark there were some very dark days carrie said we talked to one person yesterday who like carrie had to wait and wait and wait and that person told one of her reporters you know you don't realize it until you're in it but she says i i get it why people that are dealing with chronic pain like that and and can't get relief why they contemplate taking their own life which I mean, that's just heartbreaking to hear that from somebody. But, I mean, this is a big deal. And now to have over more than 152,000 people on this backlog, I mean, some of the stuff is is not as serious. Some of it is more serious, including a gentleman uh, from Rapid City. We had his wife on the other day. He's waiting for triple bypass surgery. You know, there's cardiac surgeries uh, on this backlog as well. And so, yeah, this is um, a big deal. It is a very big deal. And, uh, you know, it's not only a big deal for that person and the darkness that they can go through, kind of scared, worried, concerned, what's going to happen if it gets postponed again? How will I live with the symptoms or the possibility of whatever diagnosis I might get with the surgery? Like, it is so not only frightening for them, but it also is disheartening for the people around them, for their family. Um, and I think we just really need to compa- be compassionate. The ripple effects of this pandemic are the waiting list for hip surgery with knee surgery was never short, but I think it's gotten longer with this pandemic. And it's just yeah. another one of those ripple effects. We have to figure out how to do everything we can to get this thing ended sooner and um, anything any any delay we have in ending this pandemic means that all of these ripple effects are in are are impacting other people like those waiting for surgeries more and more. Well, here's another ripple effect. Food prices in 2022 in the new year are on the rise about 7% for a family of 4. That's almost $1000. The hits just keep coming. They do. A thousand bucks for a family like just about took my breath away when you emailed that to me this morning, mm-hmm. because for some people that's an insurmountable number and they like, well, so do we, I guess if we cut out swimming lessons, that would save X amount. And if we cut out this, that would save that amount. Or if we bought, you know, ground beef instead of, you know, roast beef, that would save us this, right? Like that people are sort of having to figure out how do we create space in our budget to make this happen in a way that doesn't just necessarily 
induce anxiety. For some people, it's going to induce terror because the budget was already stretched so thin and there isn't any give left. Um, And so, yeah, food banks are going to be impacted. um, And people's ability to sleep at night is going to be impacted. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were just talking to Greg Mackling, who's in Hamilton uh, for the Grey Cup. The Bombers are against the Ticats in the big game. Uh, This has been a needed and enjoyable distraction, hasn't it been? Oh, hasn't it? I I was listening to your interview with Greg, and he sounds like a kid in a candy store. Hey, just the excitement of being able to fulfill a childhood dream that probably many guys have, and he's living it on behalf of many. Um, Yeah, like it just puts air in our tires to be able to have something like this to look forward to all week, to know that uh, they pulled out a victory despite what happened on Sunday. Yeah. Um, And it gives us hope that when things feel dark, that things can turn around and look light and bright again. And so, you know, that lesson and that that sort of pulling out on Sunday can um, give us all a boost and give us something positive to talk about for this week. And hopefully a victory on, you know, this weekend again so that uh, we have even more to be cheerful about. We need uh, bright spots in our lives. We need to look for them. We need to create them. Uh, And this one has fallen in our laps, complimentary of the compliments of the Bombers, and I'm really grateful mm. to them that they gave us a win. Yeah, and listen, uh, a win on Sunday would be fantastic, but you don't, it doesn't have to be a win in the Grey Cup, right? It can be a small act, and they say no act is too small, and I, I really believe that. We've talked about this before, how the little things matter, and I was snooping around the other day online, and I, I came across a site that was talking about this, let me just give you a couple of examples, and then you t- talk to me, uh, Carolyn, about the importance of doing these random acts of kindness. And they don't need to be anything significant. I think the key is they can be a small thing. For example, uh, this site talked about when a restaurant, uh, when at a restaurant, ask for the name of your server, if your server was really good, and write thank you using the person's name when you leave a tip, right? Just something mm. little, but would make that person stay probably another one surprise someone who appears stressed and let them in front of you in the grocery or pharmacy line (laughs) i've been there where i'm not having a great day and if somebody was to do that that would be a very nice gesture Uh, remember compliments are free the true compliments shine a bright light onto others use them with abundance easy to say hey um you know that was a really good job or boy that's great or you know what i'm talking about here Um, surprise someone by sending a favorite book poem or small gift through the mail that's always nice when you open up the mail and instead of a bill you get something you weren't (laughs) expecting something nice right bring flowers to an elderly neighbor send a handwritten note of appreciation to someone who makes your life better handwritten notes is is a really nice touch as well so the little things matter carolyn the little things matter a lot and i think often when we think about how can we make you know, somebody else's life brighter. We think about these big, sweeping, grand, you know, actions that are really going to make the difference. But um, I was uh, thinking back to some research where they, you know, looked back at, you know, somebody in your life that, you know, was gone and say, what do you remember about them? And it was often the very small moments, those kind, tiny gestures that people would Mm -hmm. say, this is what I remember about that person. And it's so funny that you talked about letting somebody ahead of you in line when you were we were talking you were emailing me this morning i remember this moment when i was a single mom i had to rush back to be home after a busy evening of getting errands done um and my kids were going to get dropped off at a certain time and i was done i was so tired and i wanted to make sure they had milk for the next morning 
And I grab this milk, um, you know, four liter, and I'm standing in line, and I almost, I'm too tired to stand up straight almost. And I'm second in line, you know, in the checkout line that's, you know, 12 items or less. And the person in front of me probably had 14. And she says, you just have one, go ahead. And I will never forget, like, how I felt seen and heard and valued in that moment in a way that I just needed. And it it, it really, it, it carried me through in that moment is, you know, more than a decade ago. And I remember mm-hmm. it vividly. And so those, there are ways in which you will change the life of another person, even a total stranger with those small actions. And you don't know what they've been going through. You can guess these days that it's likely not been easy and you can change the way they see that day. And that can change the way they relate to people around them. And that will change other people's days. It will have ripple effects you will never know about. And thanks to Nathan, who just sent me a very nice compliment by text at 204-780-6868. Nathan says, Hal, you're looking really good on the radio today. Isn't that nice of Nathan uh, to, to send me that? Appreciate that, Nathan. Um, and listen, I asked you, we talked yesterday about holiday burnout on the show, and I just mentioned in our emails back and forth this morning if you had any thoughts on that. Can you read the poem that you sent me, the Maya Angelou poem? Can you say, Can you read that? Well, some of it's for Maya Angelou, but some of it is something that I've written, and it's kind of my Christmas pledge. Even better. This is it. This is it. Making everyone, quote-unquote, happy generally results in overtired children and frazzled adults and doesn't really make anyone happy. The things that go disastrously wrong, they will be fodder for family legend. The story can be told with horror or hilarity. Please work to make that story one that is told with howls of laughter. Giving a gift that is the wrong size does not define my worth. I am not the gift I give. The holiday season is meant to be enjoyed by all, including me, and when I enjoy it, it will have a positive impact on others, even if it means that pine needles are left on the carpet. And this is from Maya Angelou, adapted. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. They will forget what you cooked. They will forget what you gave. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Carolyn, thank you. Have a great week. Talk to you next Thursday. You bet. Take care.